0: In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I always struggle with whether to read the whole section first and then dive into it or to do sections. So I'll start off by reading the section um, and then kind of breaking it apart. Um, but bef- yeah, before we do that, just as a quick, quick recap from last time, because last time was really disorganized. Um this first chapter talked about, I'm not going to redo the whole thing because it was all over the place, but St. John has been pointing out that there's these things that just are right. Light, truth, being right. And that there's this world of is okay. These things that just, they just exist. Okay. And then there's the world of becoming anything that becomes is corruptible. Okay. Anything that, that has been made can end essentially. Right. And so he's setting up this whole scene of access to the world of is to that of the father, to to God is through the son and that this son is not just any person. The son is God. Right. And that's why he opens so strongly um, by saying this isn't some guy. Um, This is the one who before the beginning began already is Um, and that he's the mind of the father. He's in the bosom of the father um, and he's always there. Um, he's in the bosom of the Father, and that's actually the verse that we had ended with um, before. Um, it was a bit philosophical, a bit theological. I'm not going to rehash it all right now, but I'm I'm repeating that part because it's going to come up over and over, including in where we are. But it'll be less philosophical when you're able to see where he goes with it regularly, where he'll keep on. It's almost like God will regularly turn on these flashlights. of was saying, here's this, here's this, here's this, and 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 we'll we'll get there. So uh verse 19 we'll read that till the end and then we'll get into it and this is the testimony of john when the jews sent priests and levites from jerusalem to ask him who are you he confessed he did not deny but confessed i am not the christ and they asked him what then are you elijah he said i'm not are you the prophet and he answered no they said to him then who are you let us have an answer for those who sent us What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one whom you do not know, even he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. This took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan, where John is baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, for he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend as a dove from heaven and remain on him. I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the son of God. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say, say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, so you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Kaifa, Kephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida and the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Glory be to God forever. Amen. Okay, <clears throat> so we'll go through it piece by piece because there's a bunch of things going on. Um, and please feel free to jump in um, or to gather thoughts for questions after. Um, I always try and go through to some extent, I'm, try, I'm trying not to make this an academic course because it's not an academic course, but at the same time, give enough data to understand like the context of what's going on. Um and then maybe how to meditate on it and how to, to live it a little bit. So this whole scene starts off with John the witnesser. As we said in this in this gospel, he's not he's not seen as the baptizer, he's the witnesser. Um, where Jews sent priests and Levites, and we find out a few verses down that it's the Pharisees specifically who sent people to go test John, right? Um, so they come to him and they say, who are you? Insinuating, like, are you the Christ? And he says, I'm not the Christ. And as we said, there were people who believed even after Christ rose that John the Baptist was the Messiah, right? And so it seems very intentional that 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 John is saying, um, even John the Baptist said, I am not, right? Where it's just like, we were the witnesses. He himself said, I'm not that guy. Um, So he's addressing a group of people that were thinking that at the time. And they asked him what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Um, Now, the reason why, because when we read this, it's just like, why would anybody ask that? Right. Like, like, why, why would you ask if he's Elijah? We already know that Elijah has gone. Right. We don't like, what do they mean? So the Jews had expected a return of the prophet Elijah um, or what they're calling the prophet refers to something happened in Deuteronomy. So in the book of Malachi, uh, Malachi, the prophet says, behold, this is the words of God. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of the children to their parents, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And so they have in this mind, this link between scripture and reality, which I think we've lost a lot today um, because we're like, okay, Jesus came, we're good but for them, they're living in their scripture, right? This whole gospel is seen through the lens of what are they told is supposed to happen. This whole historical background that we talked about the first week is coming into play. They're waiting for this big event to happen. So like, wait, is this the Elijah guy that Malachi talked about? So they ask him, are you Elijah? And he's like, nope, right? And like, okay, are you the prophet? And the prophet is because in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses says to the people from the mountain, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brethren. Him you shall heed. Listen to this guy when he comes. Just as you desire the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, etc., then um, then this prophet will speak the words that I put in his mouth and all that I command him, right? And so they would refer to this person that Moses is talking about as the prophet, right? And so they were like, are, are you that guy, right? Because you're you're different. And he says no to both of these. And I really like how St. John speaks down the Baptist because he's just like, he answers according to the question. He doesn't waste speech, right? Like, are you this? He's like, nope. Are you this? Nope. And so finally he said to him, who are you? Right. Which should have been the first question. Um, Let us have an answer for the ones who asked us to get an answer, which get revealed as the Pharisees. Um, And he says, doesn't speak of himself. Right, he refers to Isaiah and says, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness, which is not a small thing, right? Because he's pointing them to scripture to help them understand I was saying, if I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, then the guy Isaiah is talking about is coming, right? Which we're gonna see in literally just a few verses. Right. So we've got to enter, you've got to enter the mindset of a Jewish reader of the time. Right. That a Jewish reader who's familiar with scripture, it's almost like today how you have your rapturists, your millennialists, all these people that deal with end time prophecy. Right. And they're all coming back to this text. Right. They're coming back to Revelations. They're coming back to Matthew 24. They're coming back to all these steps and like, is this is this the Antichrist? Is this the beast? Is this Babylon? Is it like there is this background mindset trying to interpret the Jews are having the same thing right? Like, wait, is this him? Like, is this, is this meeting this criteria? Is this meeting this criteria? So it's an exciting time for them, especially because as we said in the first talk, it's been 400 years since God has talked to them. Right. And so they're like, they're getting um, excited. Hey, birthday girl. Um, so spiritually though, the question I want to ask is do you sometimes confuse yourself for God? Right. I mean, most of us wouldn't think that we do but do you, are you injecting your own propaganda in the service, in your spiritual life, with your family, with your friends, right? Because John John's not a nobody, okay? John was born miraculously, right? Like his, his mom was really old. She got pregnant with him, right? It was a miracle. Um, his dad went mute, like for months, showing how special this kid was because there's all this noise about him he literally got rescued by angels right from being murdered because he should have been murdered in the purge that king herod had right raised in the wilderness in this ascetic way everything about him screams supernatural that he could have easily kind of rode the ego right of being like well he the my people let me tell you right he could have injected personal opinion personal propaganda but for him the message is not about himself messages about the messiah the message is about god and he doesn't get distracted right he doesn't enter the debate he doesn't enter the politics. he doesn't touch it right he just stays where he is and says no i'm not do you have a real question right And when they say who are you he doesn't say so even though i'm like not the messiah like but he's my cousin right or like but i'm also this really big deal i'm i'm the guy right he's just objective he keeps it to a matter of Truth and he could have showed off, and he didn't. Um, He brings it back to the source, right? This is this is key. Um, It's particularly key, I think, in the service because I think it's such a dangerous thing and a very common thing where servants of all kinds, all of us, clergy, non-clergy, where we we start standing on a platform of personal opinion, right, and personal interpretation instead of the gospel, instead of the truth, right? And that once we start pointing at that, we're pointing at something from the world that became, right, something that dies. And so if I start pointing at that, we'll come back to it somewhere else where it will lead people astray. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, verse 24, as we we said. They asked him, then why are you baptizing? If you're neither the christ nor elijah nor the prophet why are you baptizing why are you doing this thing that you do now the funny thing is that there's actually no rule book about who gets to baptize right which is such a like in in the old testament church um so there is no scripture that detailed the rules about who gets to baptize a proselyte right so the jews had a form of baptism it did exist in jewish custom um it wasn't what made a person enter the faith per se but they had a ritual of baptism so this idea of john baptizing was not like crazy Right. It wasn't something totally like foreign to them. Um, but the entry into Judaism was circumcision. Um, but this just shows you again how like how people think. Right. And I, I and I, I like to I like to kind of stop at these points to understand the world of the gospel. We're dealing with the real people. Right. And and how and real culture. Right. Because they're 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 saying being they're just like we do being like, who do you think you are? Right. Like why? Like what gave you any right to. Um, to be doing this, and they're just they're referring to a bunch of rules that don't exist because they're referring to a social norm, right? Today in church, it would be like, let's say you guys are having like an aribe meal after, and some uncle or aunt started like preaching, right? It would almost be like us being like, since when are you an abuna, right? Where it's like, but there's no rule that only abuna can talk about God right but it's just like who do you think you are by standing here by having this conversation you must think you are something that's what they're saying to john who who on earth do you think you are and they didn't stop to ask do you even have the right to challenge because to even ask that question almost presumes a certain authority that you think you have right it's almost like citizens arrest right where it's like like Who are you to even challenge it, right? Imagine if, I don't know, like a nurse goes out of her scope of practice, no offense, nurse, and does a a controlled act, potentially really did, of of a physician, right? Is it the plumber in in the hospital's job to walk up to the nurse and be like, hey, you, right? Citizens arrest, how dare you, right? Like the proper way to deal with it would be to report it to whoever is that authority. It wouldn't be for them, but they're 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 accusing him of overstepping his boundaries, while overstepping their boundaries um, is what I'm trying to get at. Where they're 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 also doing the same thing. And then the final question they asked is, "Who are you?" Which, as we said, should have been probably the first question. But the thing is that most of us don't like the real questions. We like noise, right? We like the fight. We like the politics. We like the like the the show right like who do you think you are right and like instead of just being like no but seriously like who are you right like wh- what is this explain what it is that you're doing and i want to remind you we met we touched on this at the end of last week throughout the book of john he sees the temple and all that comes from the temple as obstructing people from seeing right book of john is really anti-establishment okay and so in his eyes it's like you guys are so obsessed with your building and your rituals and all those things in the building right and he's not saying that the building is itself a wrong thing to have but he's saying you've started to worship that and because of it you don't see real seeing right like again this theme of real versus fake be like is versus becoming right that these are the issues and so he's pointing out already with these people, right, um, that they're already missing the point, right? Like that their obsession is about who's allowed to do whatever, um, whereas Saint John is like the the witnesser is talking about seeing truth. These people are about who's allowed and who's not allowed to baptize. So Jewish washings or baptisms they took different forms. Um, but some gentiles would as a first step like have an immersion um, baptism and so the reason so they're not crazy like for asking the question they're just not direct right what they really are trying to articulate is what you're doing is a really big deal right like it's almost like that to use the same scenarios earlier like sometimes or uncle like talking the hall. If it was like, okay, we're talking in the hall, and sometimes tons was like, oh, by the way, this story happened, I just want to tell you, people would be okay with it. But if Tom stood up and said, please hear ye, hear ye, everybody be seated, I have a thing to say, right, that's what's going to draw the attention. So they're saying, you're doing that, John, and this didn't articulate that. On what basis do you get to do that? That's the real question, because this baptism thing you're doing, this is really radical. What's going on here? So John answers, I baptize with water. Okay, so I'm I'm dumping water on you, but there's someone among you that you don't know yet, and he is somebody who became after me. So he came into existence after me, okay, in the world of the the becoming. But the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to tie this took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John is baptizing. So this was what St. John earlier said, he comes after me. He became after me, but he is before me. Okay. It's intentional language to say, yeah, he entered into this world after me, but he's from the world that is, he he predates me, your hey, friends, um, whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And, and, and in that culture, your servants your servants would be the ones that are touching people's feet and taking off their shoes. Like that's not something a prestigious person, um, would, would lower themselves to do. It's something that an important. And so St. John is saying, even though I'm supposed to be a big deal, the job that should belong to the servant, I, I can't even do that. I am not worthy to even touch his, his, his highest form of, of praise. Um, and, and, I wanted to that for a second to pinpoint these random things that you see in the Bible, just because I want you to pay attention as you guys read the Bible to these random things. When he says things like this took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John is baptizing, right, is that a modern reader is like, I don't really care, right? Like, I don't care if it's on the West Bank or the, like, like, who cares? But it's cool when you understand the world that they're in that sometimes the details are being dropped to show the reader of the time like how, how real these events were and in what places they were. It's almost like when you visit the 9-11 memorial in New York, right? And you're able to be like, this is where it happened, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, it came in from there, right? And then someone who's really local, like, yeah, yeah, if you stood on like Park Avenue, you can even see this. If you do this, right, it, it, it makes it more visceral, um, the reaction. And that's why he's doing it. But it's also telling us that the person... Um, is saying i'm really a witness i was there i know these things i know this geography um what's kind of cool that we don't realize when they've said it in this part of the story is that the place of john's ministry becomes the place of his captivity um which i think has a its own kind of lesson right of like like saint john could have been like this is where i did all my labor and now this is where i get killed for it um it's uh it's an interesting lesson um So John is pointing at the Lord, not at himself. This is crucial. When any ministry of any kind is pointing at oneself, it is game over. It's done, right? The minute any kind of ministry is a ministry of ego, a ministry of anything other than the Lord, it is done. Whether it is ego, whether it is pride or vanity or money, right or just a, a random philosophy anything built on something other than truth light the things that is because they just are they don't ever die anything based on something that dies because ego will die because that body will die wealth will, will run out a philosophy that's not true will be uncovered Anything that's pointing at something that's not in the world of is means game over. It's that simple. Um, and it's important to realize that because um, so much in the service, we do that, right? Like, this is a, a really, really big problem, I think, in church I think it's one of the biggest turnoffs from the church, right? Is that it stops being about God, right? It becomes a culture club, it becomes like a, a loyalty like issue, it becomes a who do you think you are? And it's like, are you pro this or anti this? Are you with this person or against this person? Are you this philosophy or this philosophy? Do you like Pope Shenouda or do you like a Mehta? Right, like it's like we see it on every single level, right? Are you like the Giza school? Or are you like like uh, Shobra, right? Oh, I'm from Sporting actually, right? And then like we have all of these things that, 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 we, that we use as points of division and as, as starting points. And that's why the big lesson here, see that St. John does not waver for a moment. It's constantly saying, God, 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 the Lord spoke, the Lord said, right? Isaiah, a prophet recognized by God, said this as the word of the Lord. I'm telling you what Isaiah said, right? My, my spiritual father growing up, he put a rule for me that I really, really loved. Um, I still try and follow best of my ability was, um, he said, don't give a lesson. Don't answer a question, even if you know the answer if you don't have the reference ready in your mind, even when you know you're right, he goes, practice not speaking anything that you don't know with certainty so that it's never about yourself, that it's never just your opinion, it's never just what you're saying, right? It was a great exercise because it slows you down like crazy, right? To be like, ah, I'll get back to you, right? (laughs) Even though you think you know, so that you're not pointing at you because then a bunch of people fall with you. But if you're pointing at truth, light is, it always remains, it never dies. Um, When you point at the Lord and speak about the Lord, then when the Lord comes, people who are listening will recognize him. This is another really important point because John isn't wasting his time being like, don't worry guys, I got you. I will bring you to the Lord. Right. He doesn't say, oh, I know him. He's my cousin. Right. I, I'll, I'll hook you up. Right. I have all this access. Actually, angels raised me. So like I got this right. He is saying the Lord is this. The Lord looks like this. When he comes, he looks like this so that when he comes, they can look and him like, oh, that's him. Right. That they're not. He's not trying to monopolize it. He's not trying to be himself the door, as we will hear later in the gospel. They're saying I am the door right? Like, John's not the door. The I am is the door. Um, and that's great humility, because as we said, St. John has a lot of qualifications, right? But he he doesn't care about his his resume um, when he's doing it. And we need to be careful of that ourselves, that we are never placing ourselves as the doorkeepers of God. We're not. God can do his own doorkeeping on his own. He doesn't really need your help. He's kind of omnipotent. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away sin of the world. Now, that carries or takes away the sin of the world, it has so many meanings in the, in the Greek, in the original language of this gospel. Um, I prefer lifts or bears up personally um, because all of the Book of John you're going to see is going to always be pointing at the crucifixion more than the resurrection. Um, and so to lift up or to bear up, it's almost like him saying who will crucify the sin of the world, right? Or who will who will bring it up. And we're going to talk about what sin really means eventually. Um, but he's also using church language when he says Lamb of God, right? Remember that assembly just means church. Ecclesia means church, right? So that when I say church, I'm still talking about the Jewish church because it was still church. Um, we're just used to talking about the New Testament. But what we're starting to see right now is a shift from object to person from temple to god from lamb to person okay because lamb of god to them they're used to as sacrificial lamb from passover right lamb of god for them is um abraham and isaac going for a sacrifice and Isaac saying, dad, where's the sacrifice? And then he's like, the Lord will provide him to get a lamb, right? For them, it's Isaiah 53, seven. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He was an, open, he's like a lamb led to the slaughter, right? So he's doing a bunch of things at once of saying, this is church language, but you're used to it being an object. And I'm now trying to show you, it's not an object It's a subject, It's a person. Right, And so this is the beginning of what's going to happen in John, of just constantly saying, here's what you thought, go here. Here's what you thought, go over here. Um, and the Lord is silent, actually, in this encounter. But um, he takes the sin of the world. Okay. This is he, continues John, of whom I said, after me becomes a man. So in time, this guy comes after me, but who ranks before me, for he was. He was in the world of is before me. Okay. It was as weird to the Jews of that time as it is to us today. Um, I myself, he says, did not know him. So I didn't know who he was. Right. Like I, I grew up separately. I grew up on my own. But for this very reason, I came baptizing with water that he, the Lamb of God, might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend as a dove from heaven and it remained on him. I myself do not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes the Holy Spirit. And I've seen and have borne witness that this is the son of God. This is heavier than we read when we read it in a rush. Because you've got to remember that here's this guy that nobody knew, right? Like, like John grew up like in the desert somewhere. Might might have been with the Essenes. We don't know. Okay, but all we know is that his whole life, he's gone. At the age of 30, he just randomly shows up. He shows up, he's yelling at people to repent, to change their way, to turn their hearts, right? And then he's baptizing, like, what are you doing? And he says, well, let me tell you. He doesn't even reveal who it is. He goes, the one who sent me to do this, she doesn't even say who it is or what it was, said, baptize because you're preparing the way for the lamb of God who's coming. And he's saying, I didn't know who the lamb was supposed to be. The instruction that I got was the one that it is, is me. the one that when you baptize, the Holy Spirit is going to come down upon and is going to stay on him. Okay, so you're saying, that's the instruction that I received. This is a really big deal to those reading this gospel, especially in the first century, because they really believe John. Right, John is a monumentally important figure because the leadership hate his guts, but the people adore him. And because he was so real and visceral, there's this constant contention about John of, is he a real prophet or not, right? There's a big fight about this character, right? That becomes even a point of contention when the Jews come to accuse the Lord, right? That's why in one of the encounters, the Lord says, I'll answer you and you answer me, is John, good, is John real or not? Because of how how big of a fight there was. So John is saying, if you believe my word, which most people did, I'm telling you what I was told, the guy who the Holy Spirit comes on and doesn't leave, that's the guy. That's the, that's the Lamb of God. And so here becomes this authorized witness of the Lord, right, through the person of John, the witnesser, because he's um, coming in the name of, of God. But he's also saying something related to what we talked about last week. Because he was last week, we were talking about how there's this world of is, right, and the world mm-hmm. of becoming, and he's saying you guys see this birthing in water. You have a symbol of it in this temporal thing, right? In this thing in the world becomes is water, but the birthing we're talking about is one of spirit. Right? And he's going to get hardcore into it in two chapters. In chapter three, when he talks to Nicodemus um, about this issue. Um, and again, in chapter four, when he talks to the Samaritan woman about this issue, right? Um, and so he's laying the groundwork, right? Chapter one is, is, a, is a heavier chapter, and then things start moving more, more quickly. Um, but him being called as a witness, is going to be this whole theme that we're talking about throughout the gospel, where the Lord is going to be constantly on trial and he's really going to bring witnesses, right? Where he'll be like, no, here's who I called a witness for me. Here are my four witnesses, right? He's going to be doing a lot of that. And the Jews will challenge, him, like, who are your witnesses, right? It's going to be really like a, this, constant, this constant trial. But the Spirit remaining on the Lord is an incredibly important point. It's the reason why Theophany was the like po- almost the biggest feast in the early church, right? Resurrection was 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 bigger. Nativity we didn't even bother with. Theophany was a big deal. Okay. Because biblically, only God can pour his own spirit. But something is going on here that they, again, these people are people who read the Bible. Right, Isaiah, Joel, they were talking about this time that's gonna come where God is gonna pour forth his spirit, right? So in saying that the spirit's coming, they're like, whoa, 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 this is happening, something's happening, right? But the remaining is an even bigger deal because the spirit would come on people in the old testament to do an act and go, but they didn't have the spirit dwelling in them. But from a theological point of view, if you look at the beginnings in Genesis, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the Friday night, humanity lost the Holy Spirit after the fall. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is what elevated man and gave him immortality. It gave us incorruption, right? It gave us his perfect communion with God. And we see in Genesis, I think it's 5, 2 or 6, 2. I can't remember. It's 5 or 6, where God says, my spirit will no longer fight with man. I'm trying with him, but man rejects me. I'm not going to fight with man for my um, indwelling. If man doesn't want me, I will depart and he does, right? And so part of the restoration that Christ is doing in the incarnation is restoring man to his first state. And so his receiving as the incarnate word of God, the Holy Spirit, is a monumental event in the history of humanity of saying God dwells in us again. This thing that we lost is now restored, right? And so it's not lost to the person who's who's reading. And that's why prophecy matters because i think our generation we don't get that it's a big deal okay there's a reason why i'm saying and this was in scripture and this is in scripture because the people writing this are saying this was in scripture and this was in scripture and why they're saying it is because they're trying to say how else could you interpret events to be from god if god never spoke about them right otherwise it's just a random event right so God was intentionally telling them things that are going to happen, not as a game, but to say, I want you to know that I'm working with you. And so I'm going to tell you things before they happen so that when they happen, you get it. You know that it's me, that it's not random. Right. So I'm telling you I'm going to come from this tribe. I'm telling you, right, that this thing is going to happen to the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you all these different things are going to happen so that you can trust that God is um, is working. Right um and this is why the devil tries to mimic that and so do humans because they're trying to find a way to find someone to believe them right we like to predict weather to show our mastery over the science to say we know we're able to predict right we like to predict games to speak of how well we get the game if we can guess what's going to happen right um might be able to predict an election tonight when a person prophesies okay with particularity so now it's not just like oh you know there's like a 70 percent chance of rain and uh, like overcast right and we're like excited if somebody gets it right like 98 percent of the time but what's happening here isn't that it's saying this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen right so that there's no room for if it doesn't happen, about what the conclusion has to be. That's what separates a true prophet from a false prophet. If it's a false prophet, it just doesn't happen. Right? If it's a true prophet, it does. Right. And that's what's going, that's what's going on here. So the next day, John was standing to his disciples, and he looks at Jesus as he walked and said, Yet again, right? So he's already said yesterday that's the guy. Holy Spirit came upon him and he says, and I saw it, I witnessed, he's the guy. He sees Jesus walking by again and goes, that's the guy, guys, right? I'm telling you again, that's the guy, that's the Lamb of God. And two disciples of his heard him and they followed Jesus. Um, One of the traditions is that this is John and Andrew. Um, uh, They're just traditions. Um, So John keeps on pointing, saying, hey, folks, that's the guy, like follow him. Which is very humble, again, that again, it's not about him. Right? Otherwise, he wouldn't be excited to send them off to someone else. He'd be like, oh, man, I'm going to lose my friends, right? Like, instead of sending them. Jesus turned and saw them following. This is where the Lord is sometimes really funny. So the Lord turns and is like, what are you looking for? Right? Because there's these random people following him that haven't really said anything. And they said, uh, Rabbi, which means teacher, uh, so where are you, where, where you chilling at? Right? Where are you staying at? That's literally what they're saying. Where do, where do you where do you reside? Which is a much deeper question than they could have known, right? Because the first half of this chapter in the prologue, right? Actually, he lives in the bosom of the Father, in the world of is, in the world that becomes. He's chilling in Nazareth, but he really abides in the bosom of the Father. And so they're awkwardly, what they're doing is they're awkwardly inviting him to his house, right? It's like when we. Sometimes I'd be like, um, so uh, what you doing uh, after church, right? It's like, oh, I was going out. Did you want to come, right? It's like, yeah, right? Like, so they're, they're trying to ask and not ask, <laughs> right, at the same time. Um, and he goes, well, come and see, um, which I think is something we don't think about a lot with the Lord, which I think is is cool, right, that the Lord really became man, <laughs> right like he took on the culture he took on the waves speech, like he took it on fully right like where he's just like yeah sure why not right um not everything was like was conveyed as a hand outstretched like i have i have said it right i have spoken um so they awkwardly invite themselves over and he awkwardly tells them go ahead um what's interesting here is that um a couple of things one they're calling him teacher right now and a few verses they are going to call him something much bigger right for now he's just like a teacher now here's the thing um come and see it's going to be repeated twice and like this time and it's going to be in a few verses more it's going to mean something when it's about god and we're going to run into the human version of come and see head on when we get to Lazarus. Because the very same words of invitation to come and see are gonna take on two completely different meanings with this whole theme of becoming it is, right? Of what does the come and see look like when it's in the world of of becoming? And what does it look like here? So when the Lord is saying, come and see, he's saying, I'm here to give you the father. Where I really live is the bosom of the father. So if you wanna abide with me, you may abide with me. That's actually why I'm here. And so, if you want to follow me, you can follow me, and I will show you how to be in the world that is. I will give you the same spirit that you just saw descend upon me. Right? I will open up to you a world that you haven't seen, and you will be able to really live and really see. Okay. And the way that discipleship worked in those days is very different than now. Today, discipleships mean like, yeah, yeah, I listened to all of his podcasts, right? I did all these things. Whereas the substance was like, no, you're going to live with the person. Right. You go, you watch them, you see how they live, how they interact. Um, And so the Lord is is literally just giving himself completely. He's saying, come. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. That's where the tradition comes from of Andrew, the other one being John. Simon is Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ, the anointed one. Again, biblical language about who he is. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, oh, so you're Simon, the son of John or Jonas, you shall be called Kepha or Cephas. They added the S for the Greek to to make it easier. Um, So many people had nicknames, which usually signify something about him. So the Lord just right away gave him a nickname. It's very fraternal, right? It had a meaning, like eventually we would see, Um, but it was also very endearing, right? Like, Like again, the Lord is very like casual, Right, where he's just like, hey, You're Peter, right? I'm gonna call you Peter. Um, but something that I think that's lost on us when we're reading this, that I think we, we don't always notice when we're reading this passage, most of us have read this multiple times, is what has just happened. Peter didn't come to him saying who he was, the Lord just told him who he was, right? He goes, Simon, son of Jonah, right? So this would be one of those moments of like, Whoa, 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 how did do, how do you know who I am? I never told you who I am, right? um like i had that happen to me with monks from from saint Anthony's, right where where one of my first ex- like supernatural experiences was an old monk in a wheelchair calling out and saying Salama, and calling me by name right when i had never met the guy. guys my first time at the monastery right and then turn around and like me and he's like yeah you right and repeating it where it's just like whoa whoa, 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 whoa. right how do you know so this is what this is the moment that simon just had that happen to him right where it's like how does this guy know me right and those like, they're small tricks. Um, so the next day, they decide, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to me, I found him of whom Moses and the long prophet wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Okay. Now, again, this is, I want you just to understand the importance of this what they're doing right now so there's this this excitement building up right and they're all being like this this might be the guy this might be this might be the messiah and so that verse that we just read is is loaded the one saying of whom moses and the prophets wrote they're saying okay this might be the prophet that we talked about at the very beginning of this bible study right this might be what isaiah was talking about saying unto us a child is given a son is born and the government will be on his shoulders and he's the one who's going to deliver us Right. This might be the guy that this is the shoot from the stump of Jesse because he's actually of the lineage of Jesse. Right. So this isn't a small deal. Right. Like this is why there's an excitement. It's not like, oh, here's a good guy. Right. Right. Like, I mean, seriously, how many of you have some guy randomly showed up at the mall and was like, hey, follow me. And like, sure, let's go. Right. Like, you don't do that. That's weird. Right. And so, like, there's something already very compelling about the Lord that's making them say, Yes. But there's also this word of mouth spreading being like, this might actually be the guy. He meets the criteria, right? There's all these things that are happening. Maybe, maybe it's him, right? And they're getting excited. So imagine like to use another Jewish example, imagine in World War II, right? If there's all these scriptures that they have while they're in concentration camps, saying we know that you're in prison, we know you're this, but there will be a time where this person is going to arise and these will be his characteristics. And then they're going to completely release you. You're going to be freed from these 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 camps. You'll become a nation again. You'll go back to Israel. You'll be blah, 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 blah. You can imagine that there's going to be two kind of moods going on in the camps. Some who are constantly being like, is that the guy? Is that the guy? Is that the guy? Right? And then there's going to be other people who are going to be like, stop looking for the guy. He ain't coming. Right? There's going to be one or the other. Right? And so that's exactly how the Jews are right now, where they're like, it's been 400 years waiting for the guy who's going to get us out of the concentration camp, right? From this sort of historical background we're talking the beginning where they're occupied Israel, right? They're like, no, no, guys, like I, I, actually um, th- this really might be him, right? And that's why they're getting um, excited. And so then Nathaniel, right? And this is cool again, like we just were used to reading the Bible and in, in, like formalities. Nathaniel is like, seriously, from Nazareth? Does anything good come from Nazareth, right? Nazareth is this tiny town of like 400. Since when does anything big happen there, right? It's almost like, I don't know, I don't know my uh, my my BC geography. No, Surrey at least is a big city, right? And in, in Ontario, it would be like Sarnia, right? Where it's just like this. This Messiah is here. He's from Sarnia. Right? I'm like, who's heard of Sarnia? Right. And so that's Nathaniel's reaction to being like, guys, get a life. Right. Like like this, this ain't the guy. Right. Jerusalem, maybe. Right. But like it, it ain't Nazareth. Um, and so he's like, I don't think so. And Philip says, come and see. Right. He gives an invite on the invite. And so he comes to the Lord and the Lord starts doing these plays on words. He goes, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Israel is the name of Jacob, and Jacob was a sneak, okay? And so Jacob calmed his dad, right, to get the birthright, And it was a thing of lore, right, of being like, ah, sneaky Jacob, right? Like, like, ah, that grandfather, right? And so the Lord is looking at Nathaniel being like, yeah, you're an Israelite. You're a son of Jacob, but you're a straight shooter. You're not like them, right? And so this is taking Nathaniel off guard, right, of being like, Hmm. like gives him pause and then Nathaniel says he's so honest he just goes how do you know me like on what basis are you saying I have no guile right you, you haven't met me before and so the Lord just looks at him and says yeah well actually yeah. before you just came before Philip told you to come when you were sitting under the fig tree I saw you And so Nathaniel had been chilling out by a fig tree, probably reading or doing something, right? But the Lord would have had no idea, if he was just some guy, that he was out there. So the Lord is giving him a clear message of saying, I'm not like you. I do know where you were. And that's why Nathaniel trips. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, how could this guy even have known? It's a sign to him that, If he's not God, God is working through him. But this guy is not just some guy because he shouldn't know. Right. And that's why he flips from can anything good come out of Nazareth to Rabbi, you're the son of God. (laughs) Right. Like in a just in a heartbeat. And we'll see a lot of that actually in the Gospel of John where people are like, oh, you're so amazing. And then 10 minutes later, like you suck. Um, And so the Lord, the Lord laughs. Right. Like, which is, again, is not what we're used to seeing with the Lord. He's like, really? (laughs) Now you love me? Because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree. He's like, chill, but You'll see much bigger than that. Um, there's a lot more coming. And he says, actually, you will see heaven open. And he continues the, 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 this allusion towards Jacob by saying, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He's saying to him, I'm not just anybody. I'm Jacob's ladder upon which jacob saw angels ascending and descending right he is he is manifesting himself constantly and saying i'm that guy um i'm gonna skip the rest of what i was gonna say on that part but um discipleship is key i want to just like I don't understand Christians, like I'll we'll probably have talks maybe about it another time on their own, like we're the do it yourself generation, right? Where like like self-help section uh, chapters it used to be like one row of books. Now it's like a third of the store um, because we now think we can do everything um, on our own and you can just Google it. Um, but I don't understand why Christians think that they can be Christians and know how to be Christians just by being born, (laughs) right? Like how somehow we think that that's like, that that works, right? Whereas the disciples, what we can learn from them, they were learners. They're, They're the first learners, right? They had to learn, right? And so when they live with Christ, that's how they learn the way. Right. I'm wondering with the Mandalorian if they're stealing some Christian language, because the early Christians used to be called the people of the way. Um, and so by being with the Lord, the Lord shines light on them. Right? And by being real with the Lord, and we're gonna see the disciples in this book so real. Um, and actually there's sometimes where it really seems <laughs> Like, John is taking shots at Peter. Peter is always a slower runner. Peter is always saying the dumb things, whereas John always gets it. Um, John always believes right away, but Peter is not. We're like, I can't help but wonder, like, I'm like, is there some rivalry going on here? But um, the only way to become a follower is to actually follow, right? So the Lord could be like, no, not like that, or like, this was good, right? And that in that being of yourself with the Lord, then only what's wrong gets corrected but then you get it right because the question of who are you question of who are you that started this section that we read that's the whole question of the gospel of john the whole question of the gospel of john is going to be who are you the people are going to be constantly asking it the disciples will be constantly asking it everyone will be constantly asking who is this guy because he is not like everybody else and the Lord himself, I will end up asking, and who do you think I am? Right. The difference between gospel of John and other gospels that he will always answer it. And the gospels is always left as this open question of like, what do you want to, what do you want to believe? Whereas the, the gospel of John, will be like, I am, I am over and over and over. But the only way to come to see that, to come to see with true seeing, is the discipleship, right? You won't learn God because otherwise you can sit there in front of God, right? Like look at look at the, the the way that people reacted. If people are gonna not live with Him, look at how they reacted, right? It was like yeah, Nazareth, seriously, dude, like really? Who comes from Nazareth, right? And literally thirty seconds later, it's like you're God, oh my Lord, right? And it's just like okay, are you, like which one is it? And his reason even for thinking that the Lord is God. Wasn't that compelling? Right? Like, which is why when they eventually see the Lord scandalous, right? Letting women touch him, right? Going to Samaria, not ritually purifying himself, then they're like, he can't be. He can't be. He can't be God. He can't be who he says he is because he doesn't follow the rules, right? And because he's doing these other things. Right? And that's this tension. And I'm saying, the only way to know the Lord's voice, and he's going to say it himself eventually, of saying, I'm the truth. Right, And I'll say, those who know me, they hear me, they know me, they know my voice. He's not talking about volume. He's talking about recognition. And that the only way to know him is to be with him, to is with him. Right. That's the invitation. Right. And that only by walking that with him, are you able to ask the questions? And that's the discipleship of being like, well, how come you're upset? Why are you bothered that they're saying that? How come this tripped you out and this other person was no big deal to you? Why are you saying this? Right, and that's why it it gets rough sometimes. Discipleship isn't easy; it's not a walk in the park. This is a an invitation to poverty. The Lord was poor. We remember we talked in the first week; He's low class. These people are accepting to follow Him are going down a rung on the social ladder, right? And they're going to be scandalized by things He say. He says, right? In John six, you're going to see them where when He says, "I am the bread of life," "I am the manna that came down from heaven," where the people are like, "And unless you eat Me." You have no life. You see everybody exiting stage left, right, being like, "Yeah, he is bonkers. The guy is psycho, or he's a cannibal, or something weird," because he's saying we got to eat him, right? And he's emphatic about about saying it, right? He's like, "No, I really mean it. My flesh is flesh indeed," right? And then he whips around and looks at the disciples, and goes, "Do you want to leave?" Right? I'm like, "No, no, no, no." <laughs> like, we're good, right? Because but that that's the invitation to disciples. Discipleship is not always comfortable. Right, but the Christian way is discipleship. The only way to learn to be as God is, is to be with God, right? To let God's work happen to you, right? And that's why you'll even see the Lord is so passive in the Gospel of John, everything happens to him, right? He allows everything to happen to him to teach us, let it happen to you. Let me show you what it is, what's really going on. Let me show you how to react but let it occur at you, right? Take it on as that. Um, any, yeah, the only last thing I'll say just as a, as a quick thing to set the, the tone. So from here on in, it's not gonna be as complex because like every chapter in the Gospel of John is, is gonna have a theme, okay? John two is gonna be Nicodemus number, or sorry, number two is sorry, the wedding at Cana. Number three will be Nicodemus. Number four will be Samaritan woman. Number five will be the man by the pool. Uh, number six will be the feeding of the multitude and um, the bread of life discourse. Uh, seven through 10 is gonna be the Feast of Tabernacles where there's like also all hell breaks loose. It's like, if you guys thought you guys have seen church fights, which you read seven through 10 where it just escalates, um, like there's no tomorrow, right? And then he goes and raises a guy from the dead in 11 um, and 12, right after coming in on a donkey um and then the people are like then he has this really long advice sermon where the disciples are like we don't get you um and then and then like okay let's kill him right like it's it's everything is going to move um there um and glory be to god for a moment any questions <laughs> um comments uh criticisms clarifications peter go ahead um, there
1: was- it's always it recently struck me. I didn't realize it before, <clears throat> but how when John 1, there is no explicit mention of Christ being baptized, And it kind of reminds me of um, how the Last Supper is kind of looked at as well. Did you know what the reason I've I, I, I had my own like, I to it all, But it's not like a it. set you know
0: I'm going to deal, deal with the Eucharist one separately it is notably absent that it doesn't say that John baptized, even though he makes reference to the baptism. My personal opinion is just a personal opinion because the, the the fathers don't really comment on it to be able to refer to them. That's why I'm going with personal opinion, is John's gospel is very anti-flesh, anti-Sarx. And so Jesus doesn't get touched, doesn't get handled um, like in, in that regard, like, like it's not the thing. And so it's almost like, for example, if you pay attention, not just to what you just pointed out in the scene of Thomas, it doesn't even say that Thomas put his finger in his side. We're left to think he did, but the scripture doesn't actually say that he did. Um, It just says, go ahead, do it. And Thomas says, my Lord, and my God, but it doesn't say, and Thomas stretched forth his hand and put it in. We all assume he did, but we actually have no idea. I think it's because the whole flesh, thing of trying to say the Lord is a different kind of thing. We don't do to him things other than what he allows to happen to him. But I don't know. I really don't know. What are your thoughts? Um it wasn't as specific as that. It was just more like Yeah I, mean, I think that's a
1: better answer than I would articulate but I think um uh, Regards to the Last Supper, as John is orienting the narrative in a way that he's putting forth an icon, he's not trying to put a historical set of facts. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's a reason why he has this elevated vision that he's putting forth in his own gospel of Christ. There is, I mean, it's easy to see how Christ is kind of humbled when he's being baptized. Even mm-hmm. when he talks about the cross, He's always speaking in these elevated terms. When I am lifted up as like a king, that he's lifted on his throne, when I am lifted up, you all know that I am. So you have all this, he's kind of constantly using the, the story in a way that he to orient it with respect to the overarching meaning what he's trying to show. It's a much higher level than the synoptic Yeah. So I don't know, that's what uh, that's the only thing I've been able to intimate from. I don't know specifically why the baptism. I didn't have an answer before, but I kind of forgot it too you know, so. much.
0: John is going to get so like I said John is really anti-establishment that's why the purging of the temple for St. John is going to happen next week or in two weeks when we meet again where he's just like the Lord just rips it apart that's the beginning of the gospel of John Um, as opposed to the end like it is in the synoptics Um, but I want you guys to have in the back of your minds this whole concept from chapter one because it took us long with chapter one the rest will be one a week at least Um, of um logos language of the word language um because the people are in their mind saying that the place that god speaks from is the holies of holy okay that that's the speaking place of god and what we're going to see throughout the gospel is god reversing it and saying no it's god right even if god uses the temple it's still it's god who speaks not the temple that speaks Right? That's the God who speaks. Um, Is this way too heavy or too academic? Because I do want your feedback because I'm not used to doing Bible study. This is relatively new to me. I just started in Ottawa before I came, but I never used to do them. And so I could be boring you guys to death or like overkill on like the academia. So is it like, don't be shy to be like, dude, like chill. Um, And I I can Um, just let me know because I don't want to, I don't want it to become a barrier and then people just don't even want to to do it and then they're shy to be like yeah whatever he this ain't school okay oh they're they're
1: yeah
0: they're not word i mean it's gonna be cool because we'll get more into story time with the rest of it um it's just that john is the philosopher right like when you read the gospel of mark it's it's like it's like a little kid telling a story, like where like the Greek isn't just saying over and over like and then and then and then almost every single like chapter or paragraph starts with and then and then and it just reads like it's this long like <laughs> thing, whereas like John's writing after the first three are written, whereas like yeah 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 you know the stories let me tell you, this right and that's why he's going for, for something else, all right. In my view, yeah, I mean, arguably they're all theological, but in my view, yeah, like epically more, like, there's some mind-blowing moments, like, in the Gospel of John, that's why I'm, like, obsessed with it, but, theologian, yeah. All right, let's pray. <laughs> in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God of the Lord, make us pray for All thanksgiving, our Father, who art in heaven. We do not God the Father gives God the Son the communion that You all go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Just turn this off.